0: up with us and we will read the word of god together something we've been doing the last couple weeks i think it's cool to bring reverence to the word of god and and to just recognize what you're holding is holy this is this is important and this has life changing capabilities if we allow it so let's read together verse 1 o oh, foolish galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only, only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the flesh? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Having I mean, begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning, for each person here who is well enough to be here. We thank you for health, God. And we thank you for just the ability to have time to gather together as a church family. We pray you'd speak to us this morning through your word. We'd hear from you, God. We'd understand what you're trying to show us and teach us, that we would um, allow you access into our heart, allow you access into our mind, our thinking, the way we do the things we do, Lord, for the the callous things that we would allow you to soften those places, and we would just allow you to work here in this place this morning. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week we touched on um the the doctrine of justification and uh the first part of the working of salvation, justification being we are justified or made right before God through Jesus. And by way of recap, we kind of hit four freedoms that are found in justification by faith. We had a little trouble uploading the podcast, but it should upload today if you missed it last week. Um the four of them were free. We're free from the debt of sin. Justification makes us justified. We're free from that debt. We're free from condemnation, which is a big thing, right? We all feel that heavy condemnation, but there's no condemnation in Christ because he has made us free. And we're free from comparison because it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what other people think. We belong to him. Our identity is in Christ, and we're, it's free to all. The message is for anyone, God so loved the world that he uh, gave his son for us, right? He, that he, he sent his son to die for us, that we can live with him forever. So this week we're going to continue uh, with Paul's defense of justification. Uh, as, especially as he, as he highlights, it's by faith. Because he's, he's going against the works of the law. Justification, okay, yeah, sure, by faith. But then the law kind of seals the deal. But he says justification, it's justification by faith as he continues to deconstruct the legalism and the troubling trends in the churches in Galatia, as well as to remember how easy it is to fall for us into similar pitfalls. So I titled the message this morning. I'm working on new things, titling it. Okay, so that's that's we're working on and and the title is Nobody Wants to Play the Fool, right? We all we can all agree with that, right? So verse one, oh foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was so clearly portrayed among you as crucified? O oh, foolish Galatians, there's different translations for this. O oh, foolish Galatians, check this out. O oh, stupid Galatians, or O oh, you stupid Galatians. Kind of foolish has kind of like a little bit of a softer feel to it. Oh, you're just being a little foolish. Oh, no, you're being stupid. And this has nothing to do with mental capacity. It has to do with them knowing the right thing and not doing it. They actually 100% understood what Jesus had done on the cross. Because he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? You fools. You fools. (laughs) <laughs> You've allowed this to come in and, and rob the joy of what Jesus has done on the cross. Rob the freedom that has come through Christ. In this, you have played. How dumb do you have to be to do this? And remember, Paul is not just like going after them. He is like trying to wake them up. Recognize that sometimes uh, stronger language or stronger tone is necessary. Right. To to get across a theme or to get across an idea like, I need you to wake up, right? And and sometimes, you know, the softer voice doesn't really work. I have a very loud voice. This microphone, it's it's just for show, okay? I have a loud, I have a commanding voice. And so a lot of times I'll notice like a soft-spoken person will be like, hey, guys, guys, let's pay attention. Guys, hey, guys. Hey, guys, listen, listen. Hey, um, hold, hold on, um. If we could just be quiet, guys, if that would be the other cycle. Hey, hey, everyone, be quiet, all right? He's, try, uh, he's trying to talk, you know. And then everybody goes, oh, what's wrong, man? What's up? Got your attention, okay? Now can you listen? Okay, now now let, let them talk. They got better things to say. But I got your attention. Paul was trying to get their attention, like, you got to understand that, that you're not. And, and the, here's the funny thing. This thinking was proposed as like the elite kind of thinking, right? It was like the advanced, right? Oh, yeah, we come to Christ. But, you know, then you bring back in the law and now we're way more dynamic. This is something that is as old as time. Man taking something simple and beautiful and turning it into something extremely complex to their advantage. And Paul is saying, um, listen, you are fools, You are being stupid with the truth that you know, especially because you're choosing not to continue in it. You fools. This is a well-placed slam, and they absolutely needed to hear this. Think about how many brilliant minds there are in this world that have racked their brain to avoid dealing with their being a creator... And the fact that the creator has standards. They rack your brain. A lot of them do. Some of them literally just don't know. But a lot of people, they just kick against the goads. And they take and they, little bits and pieces and, uh, to try and avoid any possibility that maybe there was something involved in our creation. Brilliant minds. But we know that brilliant minds can also be very stupid. I have a good friend, probably mentioned him before. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. He was in high school, um, and he would just blow through all of his classes. He got, like, the highest grade in his whole high school of, like, 3,000 kids, or on his SATs. He just blew it out of the water. He was one of our students. He would study, like, theology, and he'd understand it instantly. I gave him a book on, like, Jewish messianic, messianic uh, um, prophecies fulfilled probably like 800 pages. And he brought it back to me in like two days. And he's like, that was a good book. And you're like, did you read it? Like, and he's like, yeah, I read it. I read it last night. So the what <laughs> read it last night. He was uh, a friend of mine had gone to Cal Berkeley and, and he, he was, uh, had taken these classes on understanding. Um, he was in, in the field of, uh, like foreign policy, politic kind of stuff. And my friend just, he says, Oh, that's kind of interesting. So he said, he studied a little bit of it on his own and then came back to him. And he said, he knew more about that than other people who in my class, who it was their major. And he just did it on just an unbelievable, brilliant mind. He has this beautiful mind for understanding things. But I I think I've mentioned him before. He used to come out here and help with our youth group every once in a while. And, uh, he drove here and um, then tried to drive home to Redlands and ended up in Long Beach because he, he could get lost going down the street to go to McDonald's. Like he, he, and he'll end up in like three, you know, you know, two hours away and be like, wait a minute, I don't think I'm where I'm supposed to be. And you're like, well, you've gone two hours the wrong direction. At what point did you not think to like turn around? Everyone has something in there where, where you're like, I'm, you're really smart, but that was really dumb. We all have this ability and we all these places that even can be blind spots for us. But, um, this is kind of willingness, like a willingness to not think that way. Even it's funny that in the world of free thinkers, everyone has, is a free thinker. They think, well, no, I'm going to think different than the way of religion, but they're all think of it in the exact same way. You follow, everyone's following something, right? And so you're like, oh, I've heard of the way you free think you think just like everybody else. And by the way, it's not a new theory. If it's, uh, there's a saying that goes, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. There's something about over time, we see the same thing over and over again. But he says to them, who has bewitched you? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And uh, Fung in his commentary says this, Paul regards his Galatian converts as having unwittingly come under the spell or hypnotic effect of the false teachers. Who has bewitched you? It's like the show Bewitched, right? It's like, well, she wiggles her nose, is that right? I remember it was on Nick, Nick at Night, you know, when I was a kid. And I'm like, okay, cool. Not really, it's witchcraft. So... Um. <laughs> But who has bewitched you? They come under the hypnotic effect of the false teachers. They had lured them in. I was listening to uh, a message on this. He was talking about the evil eye. That they believed that snakes could entrance you with their eyes if you looked at them. I think that's uh, characterized in Jungle Book, right? Right? As the snake's like, trust in me. And, and all of a sudden he's like, ooh, And slowly the snake wraps around Mowgli and is ready to take him out and then, you know. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Is that a movie from like the '40s or something like that? Um, but they, that they had been bewitched; they'd been under the hypnotic effect. They had allowed themselves to be pulled and 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 taken astray. Uh, MacArthur says it like this: that they had followed feeling over fact, emotion over clear understanding of truth. They'd been swayed by emotion—the emotions of following along, staying in line. Their brain had fallen out of their head. They weren't following, and so they so they had allowed themselves to become part of that trap. It, it's shocking and embarrassing to hear that you've been a fool, right? Like no one wants to hear that. No one wants to feel like they've been played, right? Like that's just like the most embarrassing and it's not a good feeling, right? Where you're like, oh, that guy played me, you know, like what, what was that all about? I remember the youth pastor at my old church, he said one time that he, this guy had asked him for money for food, you know, for food. He's like, oh, I need money for food. And so he's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll just get him some food. So he gave him, got, bought some food and gave it to him. And the guy's like, oh, I don't want this. He's like, I want money. He's like, I don't need, I don't, I don't want this. And he's like, Oh no, you're going to eat it. And he sat there and made him eat it right there, which is, you know, kind of a bit of a gray area. But he's like, You're not going to play me as a fool. I bought it. You're eating it. It's going in your body right now. You know, <laughs> we don't like that feeling, though. We don't like feeling like we're a pawn, or we don't like feeling like in the workplace or in relationships, family, whatever. We don't like feeling like we've been. So Paul again is using shocking language to say. You guys are being deceived. You have fallen into a trance, and you are pawns. Wake up. You think you're elite? You think you're better than everyone else? You're far worse than everyone else. You're way further off than you were before. We're so vulnerable. We are so vulnerable, and it is so easy to be deceived. And, and I think everyone in this room can understand what it feels like to be deceived in one way or another, right? Right? One of the ways that, that the enemy wants to make us the most deceived is our understanding of God, right? Because if we don't understand who God is, then it messes everything up. So if we, Especially in ways of grace, mercy, and love. Because not only does it mess up your relationship with God, it messes up everyone you're in contact with's relationship with God. Because if you lose sight of God's grace, you don't deal with each other graciously, if you, don't, if you lose sight of God's love, you don't love like you're supposed to love. And so, this is what's happening here. If it becomes about the works, then the man is elevated and his works, and the grace of God is brought down low. Paul's like, this is foolery. Don't mess with this stuff. Don't do it. Last part of the verse, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Here's the thing, they had seen it. It was so obvious. I mean, Paul says, clearly you understood that Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead. Especially in their area, He's like, you guys know this stuff. How could you be swayed from the truth? You know better. I know that you know better. I think it was, uh, it's so, we can get suckered and we can get, so quickly in a trap, especially by emotional manipulation, right? Emotional manipulation is one of the most powerful things that we have to deal with. And it's, it's good to remember, emotions aren't bad. They make a great servant, but a terrible master, right? It's a great servant. Emotions can, can you know, drive home the, the cross of Christ, and, and it can bring us to a very real place, and, and God gave them to us, but they cannot be the thing that drives you, or... or We need to set our mind on truth, on him. MacArthur said this, I thought it was a great quote. Christians who rely on self-oriented emotions... Emotions instead of scripture-oriented minds are doomed to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. It's in Ephesians four fourteen. It says, when, the, I, when they judge an idea on the basis of how good it makes them feel or how nice it sounds rather than on the basis of its harmony with God's word, they are in spiritual danger. And that's something that we're all, it's like, I I just don't feel like that would be right. I just don't feel like this is this. I don't feel like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like our feelings are flawed, right? And we need to lead our feelings, lead our emotions through God's word. That's a steadying agent, right? Saying, God, lead me into your truth. Your word is truth. Help me to follow you. And then as as I do that, my emotions follow me and they could be great asset, right? And the truth, the truth, the problem is here is that the truth was in jeopardy, right? The the, the crucified work in Christ. That that didn't just imply that Jesus died. It was like the nailed, dead, risen, crucified Christ. The work of the cross. The finished work of the cross of Christ. Like that's when Paul says, I I preach Christ and him crucified. That is the message. Crucified, not, not just that he died on the cross, but that he rose from the dead. We, I, and I think it's interesting because none of us would really think, usually when we stumble into like some sort of compromise or, or even when you're slowly being deceived. Remember, the best lies are 99% true. Is that we would never imagine that it would lead to going away from the cross of Christ. I mean, we know Peter himself had fallen into this category. And Peter was, he loved Jesus and he saw what he had done, but he got deceived slowly. We're vulnerable. Very vulnerable. <clears throat> so it's worth worth noting. I was thinking, that, you know, we wouldn't think of willingly going where we often end up willingly going. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, I, I would never willingly do that, but I willingly do it over time, whether you see it or know it or not. And that is being deceived. Verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Paul's like, help me to understand. <laughs> and now I'm going to ask you a question, which is a great thing to do when you're, when you're trying to get to the bottom. You just start asking questions. Sooner or later, you get to the bottom. So he's asking him, this is what I want to learn from you. Explain this to me. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Explain it to me. He knew the answer, of course. It was a rhetorical question. But he can't imagine. He's saying like, I need to ask you this because I can't imagine coming to this conclusion myself. Did you really receive the spirit by the works of the law? That is such a foolish idea. Again, he's trying to wake them up to understand. Man, we need to be woken up, right? And it's funny, like, you know, you read something or you hear something and you go, again, that's for other people. I get it. I know exactly who this applies to. But it's all of us. You're like, God, where am I? Like this, where am I being lulled to sleep? Where am I not aware? Where do I need to work? You know figure this out and the the spirit though the Holy Spirit, which is what he 's talking about, you receive the spirit, the spirit was a sign it was like a seal of the believer to show that he was in fact belong to god it was as macarthur said the gift of the holy spirit is the believer's most unmistakable evidence of god's favor his greatest proof of salvation and the guarantee of eternal glory so he's saying when you see the spirit that has come do you did it come through the flesh was it oh yeah jesus plus all the things you did no they knew full well when did the spirit fall on them on the first believers right Pentecost, right? And they're just worshiping God, and all of a sudden it comes. The spirit falls. Crazy scene. People think they're drunk, you know. People are speaking in tongues. Everyone can hear it in their own language. And it's just this crazy scene. Peter, who had shrunken back into kind of a lesser role, all of a sudden prominent, filled with the Holy Spirit and power, speaking clearly, giving just absolute, definitive, sounds like Jesus kind of response. Because the spirit had fallen on him. But we also know in Acts chapter 10 verses 44 through 48. The the account with Cornelius where the Gentiles had become believers. Says this, while Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. They couldn't believe it. Not just were the Gentiles allowed to be saved. They got the Holy Spirit too. So they were astonished, and as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized? We have received the Holy Spirit just, uh, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So. It was obvious the Holy Spirit had fallen on the Jews in a way that was they did nothing. It just came. And then the same thing with the Gentiles. It was not of their works. So Paul knows full well. Think about it. The Holy Spirit, the seal, that is that came from God through faith. Justification comes through faith. We are saved through faith. Verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the flesh are you now being made perfect by the flesh i mean having begun in the spirit why do we keep saying that having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh he's like seriously think about it you started in the spirit how on earth would you make it better with the flesh what has the flesh gotten you trouble struggle you know insufficiency you know feeling con- condemnation feeling insecure. That's flesh, right? It, it's, it's fallen, it's flawed. It is all the world has to offer. It's everything that we, we see around us, right? So he's saying, having begun in the spirit, because we already know full well, the spirit came to those by the... So how is it that you can add something by the flesh? Why would you go back? I uh, was... um. This happens often in my house. I was coloring with the children. It was was Hazel at this point. But it's been all of them at different points. And they say, okay, let's color this page of Fancy Nancy or something like that, you know. And I'm sitting there and I'm coloring. I'm like, okay, you color her. I'll color this one, okay. Because I'm pretty like serious about coloring if I'm going to do it I'm going to like stay in the lines and I'm going to think of a really good color scheme and you know whatever and so I start doing it and I turn my head and all of a sudden Hazel has done the eyes and the lips which is just you know green all over the two eyes and big old red thing over the lips and I'm like okay this is for you anyway but at the same time that was that was mine and I was working really hard at that. You know, I, you know, I'd kind of done the whole outline and then I was just like doing it like softer on the inside. Like it was, there was like some impact to it. You know what I mean? It was like, kind of had, some, you know, you even leave like a little crescent. So it looks like it's shining a little bit. Like I thought maybe there could be a, a little bit of a sheen on her purse. And, and Hazel comes in, dad, look what I did. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, look what you did. You know, how come you didn't color on yours? Like you'd said, oh, dad, will you help me with mine? It's like you scribbled all over the thing. So there's nothing I could do with this one. I'm going to take one of these sheets. I'm going to take it to my room. I'll be back. You, you just deal, you deal with this. And I need to, I just need this. I need a little bit of a cathartic experience where things aren't getting completely screwed up all the time. So good. So good. But that, it's like, it, that's like the image is like God is doing this beautiful thing and and he's like, just, just hang in there with me. And then all of a sudden we come through and we're like, oh, I'll make it better. And you're like, oh, that's not better. It is better because I love my daughter, okay? It's not a perfect example. And I'm sure I'll look back and be like, oh, that's so cool that she did that. I'm not going to look back at the pages and be like, oh, man, I really was on that day. <laughs> I'm so glad that I have a whole book of Fancy Nancy that I colored in. Good use good use of time, Chris, raising your children. Um, but everyone, you know, you can relate to that. And it's like, can I help you, Dad, with this? You're like, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll make it worse. I don't know what to say. No, that's – but honestly, you, you should – with your kids, you should let them help. I Trust me, okay? You should. That's a good thing. But with God, it's like that's like the same thing where we're like, oh, oh good salvation. Thanks, God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to add on to this to make it a little bit better. He's like, you are scribbling blue over the eyes. No one even knows what this is anymore. You have completely mutilated this beautiful picture, and you've made it yours. And by the way, you're going to claim you're the one that colored the whole thing. I know it, because whoever colors the eyes is the one who colored the whole thing. You know, whatever. It's going up in your room. You know, you did it. But that's the idea, right? I'm really not that bitter about it. It's not like a, that big of a deal. But I do kind of like you color that one. I'll color anyway. Whatever. But Paul's doing this out of love. He's 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 trying to like say, guys, like listen up, please. Don't screw up the good thing God is doing in your life. Like a lot of it, of what we think we need to do when we come to Jesus is, oh, I got to do all this stuff now that I, I'm following Jesus. I got to make sure I read my Bible just enough. And I, I got to make sure I pray just enough. and I got to make sure I do this just enough. And, and this, 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 this. And we start following into the rules. And otherwise, he's going to be mad at me. God is not mad at you. <laughs> he loves you. He knows exactly how lazy you can be. He knows exactly how scatterbrained you can be. He knows exactly how faithless you can be. He just loves you, period. But I think a lot of it is, sure, you will be blessed if you're in the word reading. If you think you're doing it to gain status with God, you're messed up. You're missing out. Because then you're going to expect something out of the relationship. Look what I did for you, God. He's like, you didn't do much. Thank you so much for doing five minutes of reading in the morning. Very good. I sent my son to die on the cross. You like need to be forgiven a hundred times a day. Thanks for the reading. I appreciate that. You know, now go back to reading everything else you read that you read for five hours a day. I, whatever, you know, that's not gonna, it's not how it works. It, it works on a basis of like, I love you, Lord, I, and really, not screwing up our relationship with God is, is really just not overdue. It's just like trusting in Him and walking with Him. Like, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I need to hear from You. When I see the Word of God as a blessing from God, I don't see it as, here's my thing i got to, you know, mark off. I better read. I better do this. I better pray. Oh, oh, oh. So I'm not going to be a very good Christian. No, this does it take discipline? Absolutely, but it's discipline based out of yeah, I love I love you, Lord. I want more time with you. I want this discipline in my life to do this because it's a good thing. Those of you who surf, you get up early in the morning. That takes discipline, right? And you're like, "See, I told you, honey. I'm disciplined. I'm super disciplined. I can wake up at five to surf. What about everything else, right? But you understand that discipline can lead to good waves, right? Getting up early can lead to a better surfing experience. Being lazy and rolling out of bed at 11 might sound like a good idea. But then when you get out there, the waves aren't very good, right? Or there's a bunch of people or whatever. I don't know. What do I know about surfing? Back to mountain biking and baseball. Um, But there's a discipline that comes with that, that breeds blessing. But you don't do it because you're like, oh, okay, I got to do this because I want everyone to know that I'm serious about surfing to get up at five. That won't work. It won't last. And it ain't real. The only reason you get up is because you want to. And because there's a desire in you, a driving passion in you, because you see how much there is to gain in that. That's us with God. I recognize how much you love me. I recognize how much there is to gain in being with you and near you. And so I do these things. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? There's a couple different thoughts on what exactly this meant. Uh, It could be that they had suffered multiple things as, as the church. We don't have any reference of that in Galatia. So we don't know exactly how they've suffered. Um... Every believer will suffer, right? There's, there is stuff we are going to have to deal with. But it also could mean the word, uh, it's Pasco in Greek is, uh, it carries the idea of experience or, and sometimes that of pain or suffering. So it could be pain or suffering or experience. Have you experienced so many things in vain? Like, have you seen so much of God for nothing? Have you seen him be good so many times for nothing? Or have you seen him be faithful, even if you are in suffering, for nothing? Like, is it of no effect? Does it mean nothing to you? Does it not help you at all? And he's like saying, hopefully not. Hopefully it's not wasted. Hopefully that, that, that stuff doesn't go away with you, you know. And unfortunately, we can see sometimes, you know, friends, family, they fall off. And they're walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden, they're gone. And you're like, what in the world happened? How could this be like, I, you know, and Paul's like, I basically like, I'm weeping, thinking about the people who walked away. Like, it hurts me to think about those who walked away. You know, those whose God is their belly, you know, who thinks that they, they think that they've got a better way saying, I'm hoping this is not in vain with you. It's almost like he doesn't know for sure though. Verse five, he says, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? These would be experiences. Like you would have seen, they saw miracles often. So he's like, all those things that you've seen, all the goodness of God and and." For us personally, we think about it. Think about in your own life, all the good things God has done. All the God moments where you know it was him, where you saw him come through, where he met you in pain, he met you in suffering, or he just outright blessed you out of nowhere. Think about those things. And and, and recognize where did they come from? Was it because you'd been good that week? I had, you know, my Bible app told me I read seven days straight. And God blessed me. mm <laughs> hmm the blessing is that you got to be in the word. That's the blessing. The blessing is that you got to spend time with God. But it, it's not like that, right? It's like, obviously, God can bless you through that. But it's not a works-based relationship. You see how good he is. And you see, you just respond to that. So I, I kind of wanted to focus on, real quick, three ways to recognize this foolery in our life. Uh, you know, with that in mind, no one wants to play Nobody wants to play the fool. Three ways to recognize foolery in our own lives. This is important. Because I, I, I was thinking like, three ways to recognize foolery in people's life or life, you know, whatever, in a life. No, it's, it's always good to do you, right? Remember, it's always about us and God. We're not called to walk out other people's salvation with fear and trembling. You know, your neighbors, or even your spouse that might be the hardest thing you ever have to deal with is like, it's not your job to walk out your spouse's faith. (laughs) It is your job to pray for them and to encourage them. Okay, that's aside from the point. Three ways to recognize foolery in our own lives. Let's take it to heart. I'm here with you. We're all together there. One, we foolishly disregard simple truths for complex lies. That's one way. That we can recognize foolery in our lives. We foolishly disregard simple truths for complex lies. Foolish or stupid in its uh, physical ability. It's not the physical ability or lack of knowledge, but a willing to forsake that knowledge. Remember? The simple truth uh, that they'd seen was Christ crucified and they'd heard the truth, but had figured a better way or another way, right? They, and, and it made life ten times more complicated. And anytime you find yourself kicking against the Lord, it will make your life more complicated. Because you're kicking against the Creator, and you're saying, I know what's best. I'm better off. I'm the one that's got a better idea of where I need to go. Whatever to him. He, he you know, whatever. I get it. It was good back then. Two thousand years ago, this made perfect sense. I've got it figured out now. Anytime you have that kind of a mindset, life becomes very complicated very fast, right? And, and you start taking on the complexities because it's, it's, it's complex to go against the creator of the universe who is very ordered. And simply says, obey me. Remember, that's what it said in verse 1. Who's bewitched you that you would not obey the truth? The Galatians 100% knew better. They knew better, but they caught caught up. And traded the simple, beautiful truths for loopholes and lies to attain status, to attain, you know, looking elite amongst their friends. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 7, we get a warning here. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some That they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience, and from sincere faith from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm." if you find yourself outside of the will of god you will find confusion i was even reading in the book and they were talking about some of the leading atheists of our day borrowing ideas from without knowing it from christian philosophers <laughs> it's it's interesting like confusion is all that there is outside of God. God is the only thing ordering anything in this world. And the more that a society turns on God, or looks aside from God, the, start realizing that there's really not anything holding us together. Like, there's really nothing stopping anyone from doing anything. Because if I can't say what's right or wrong at all, if there is no right, if there is no wrong, then really, the playbook is wide open. Which is a scary, scary thought. and doesn't work. But we are responsible for ourselves with the simple little things where he said, we take the simple truth and we trade it for a complex lie. Number two, we foolishly allow other people to think for us. That's a big one, right? I think, I I don't trust almost any uh, facts I hear. (laughs) To be honest, like, I'll be like, I heard that, yeah, I heard the exact opposite from someone else. So like, who did the study, and where is their money coming from? <laughs> you guys, there's, there's a point where we all have to start thinking for ourselves, right? And that means, not, that's not like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to think for myself apart from what God is saying. But think for ourselves as a society. As, as it goes one direction, you have to think differently. We have to think for ourselves and allow, to, to, we got to test. Again, the best lies are 99% truth. Because you latch onto the truth and you go, well, yeah, I know that's true. So the rest of it must work out, right? 99% truth, 1% lie. It's the idea of the feces and the brownie, right? This is a youth group thing, I'm sorry. But if you add a little bit of, you know, whatever, poop in the brownie. <laughs> sorry for those of you who can't, if that's not a great thing. But it, it's like, would you eat it if it was only 1%? Uh, no, I would not. You know, I, sure, the 99% is pure, the 1% ruins everything. We need to be thinking for ourselves. That's the idea of bewitched, being lured away when all the evidence points to the contrary. They knew full well, but they were lured away because they weren't thinking for themselves. They follow the crowd. Where's the crowd going? If you follow the crowd, one, you'll be exhausted, two, you'll be confused because the crowd constantly changes. Have you ever followed someone and then all of a sudden they decide to just change their mind? And you're like, oh, no. Or maybe you thought you were following someone on the way to like a reception from a wedding. You're like, yeah, they went from there. But then you found out they were going home. Oh, man. Should have put it in my phone. You know, I just figured they were going. They had to stop by home first, which is the wrong direction. Okay. We need to know where we're going and not be lured away we're bewitched when we allow the powers of persuasion to move us don't be a pawn don't be a pawn i remember this in high school i always would i don't want to be a pawn to your system i don't want to fall in line and just be one of the one of your like you know mindless followers i want to be be wise with what i do the truth and this is important too the truth is on our side the deeper you dive in, I actually heard something on the radio. They were talking about sports science. But they're saying, the more that you get into science, it's interesting. Because it solves some problems, but it actually ends up asking more questions than when you started, doesn't it? Truth is on our side. The truth is on our side. You dig in deep. Trust God. Seek Him, though. But, but ask Him, God. Seek. Knock. Ask. Lord, show me. Reveal to me. First John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. What does that tell you? There are false prophets in the world. And we are need, we need to be aware and test. I love this, right? The Bereans. We know about the Bereans. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 11. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews... These were more fair minded than those in Thessalonica. Sorry, Thessalonica, you kind of got slammed, you know? Uh, They were a lot better than those people in Thessalonica. They're like reading it, like, oh man. And that they, why were they more fair minded? In that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So, could you imagine these Berean like believers? Paul and Silas roll in, you know, Paul who wrote like the law of the Bible, he rolls in and he starts teaching and they're like, hold on, let me see, I don't know about that, that sounded a little, whatever, so what are they doing, they're searching the scriptures, because they know no man is trustworthy 100%, he could fall. He could fail. And they recognized the problem a false doctrine can have in a setting, in a church setting. So they studied it out. Guess what they found out? Paul was actually pretty legit. He was pretty good, you know. But I don't think Paul was offended by that. That's, that's a good thing, right? That's a sign of a, a mature church, mature, mature body. Those who seek it out for themselves don't just believe it because you hear it. Especially if you see it on social, you, you know, you can make anything look real, right? I love it when something fake shows up on like social media and it's on purpose fake just to see how many people will share it. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, no. We all believed that, didn't we? And we can ask ourselves some questions. I think that they're really good questions. Before you freak out or before you buy into anything, find out if it's true, <laughs> Right? Find out if it's true. Think for yourself. This is important, right? So, first one, three ways to recognize foolery in our lives. We foolishly disregard simple truths for complex lies. Second one, we foolishly allow other people to think for us. And the third one, we forget where we came from. So, I think this is really, really important. And this would have been absolutely relevant to the Galatians, and it is relevant to us, myself. I think about this all the time. We need a constant reminder of where we came from. When we remember who we were before Christ, it helps us to understand who we are in him. How much did you need him? Oh, so desperately. When you first came to salvation, what was that like? The weight had been lifted. The burden had been lifted. The sin was like, that you could not get away from has been taken away from you. And you, you knew you were justified. You knew you had a right standing with God. And you knew he heard your prayers. You open the Bible and he's speaking to you. Because all you know is love. All you feel is grace and mercy. That's the first thing we do, man. We get, you experience that. It brings you to that place. And we see the world for what it is. When we remember, we knew when you were in sin and you come to know Christ, you knew what the world was and you knew it was your enemy, right? It was so obvious that the world was your enemy. And it was so obvious that that is not where you wanted to be anymore, especially when you're at that final breaking point. And and we understand, we remember our fruitless attempts uh, to live according to our own standard. You can't even live to your own standard, let alone God's. How often do you break your own rules? Kids are really good at telling you when you do that. I thought you said this. Well, that's different. Oh, is it? Is it different when I do it too? Um, No, right? But we knew the fruitless attempts in our own standard. We thought we could do it on our own. It brings us right back to where we belong, which is at the feet of Jesus soaking in his grace and mercy. That's it. That, it brings us right back to that place. And if you've forgotten that, if we've forgotten that, if we've gotten so a little too high on ourselves and we're starting to think we, you know, we're pretty established now, then you forgot that, you, you're off, you're way off. And, and expect things like legalism. Expect things like uh, getting, getting wooed away because our eyes are not on Jesus the way they should be, which is absolute desperation. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Every day I'm desperate for you. I need you. We take our eyes off of God and we find ourselves like David. In a time when kings go to war, David stayed home. What happened? He rested. He thought, I got it. I've done enough. I'm good. Think about all the things I've accomplished for God. And next thing we know, it's Bathsheba. It's the death of a son. He murders one of his best soldiers. It doesn't, it, it doesn't take much. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. In, we're closing up here, all right? For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived. Recognize this and think about yourself in this. We were all once, also once foolish, amen. Disobedient, amen. <laughs> deceived, amen. Serving various lusts, amen, and pleasures, yep. Living in malice, right. <laughs> and envy, hateful and hating one another, relatable, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by the works of righteousness, there's another little justification, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly. Oh, I I love that word abundantly, right? through Jesus Christ our savior that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life but it is important to understand that we were all those things and we could become those things again quicker than you imagine but to remember don't forget where you came from that's important that's something to always don't forget where you came from don't forget the struggle don't forget the streets <laughs> don't forget like the, the hard times don't forget the stuff that you you know had to deal with and, and the pain of all of that don't glorify sin we have a way of glorifying the past I was better at sports than I, than I really was I was not really as bad as I thought I was I was you know I was a better kid than I thought I was no you weren't talk to your mom she'll tell you you were terrible you know like you were not you were a sinner and she knew it Every parent knows that. If, you're, if you have kids, you know. You love your children dearly, but you know how much the sinners they are. All of them. But it's so easy for us to forget. Those three things. These three things. Remember these. Recognize the foolery. We, we disregard simple truth for complex lies. We allow other people to think for us and we forget where we came from. We'll never be perfect. That's all there is to it. We're just not going to be perfect. And we'll continue to make mistakes. But as we grow and we can learn from our mistakes, others' mistakes, we can help to safeguard ourselves against unnecessary foolery, right? And that's like the point. We don't want to be playing the fool. We don't want to be wasting time. We don't want to be gone from you know, the presence of the Lord for a minute. When you're, when you're there, bad things happen. It doesn't take long for everything to fall apart. So with that in mind, let's refocus and and recognize, Lord, even now as we're going to close in worship and as we pray, to ask God to show you where it is in your life. Where have I been a fool? Where have I allowed my thinking to rule and reign supreme? And where do I need to get back on track? And and if it it has to come down to remembering what it was like before and, and recognizing that you actually aren't as capable or as good as you thought you were, That is a blessing to learn on like now before it's too late. So just staying humble before the Lord and staying thankful for his grace and mercy. Let's pray. God, we want to stay there. That's exactly where we want to be. We want that to be our posture before you, God, is to stay humble, to trust you, and allow you to uh, work in our lives, to do good things in our lives.